Hello and thank you for listening to episode 291 of 60MW. I'm Dave and this is the third in our week-long series of Grimfest interview shows. And in this one, it's all about the film They Reach. I chat with writer-director Silas Dow, writer Bride Troyer and actor Mary Madeline Rowe. If you listened to yesterday's episode, you'll be pleased to know that I finally got the hang of Zoom with this one. And yes, this is a show which is also on our YouTube channel. So head on over there. There'll be a link in podcast notes for this. Give us a sub while you're there, and you can also watch this interview show too. Once again, I'll be giving away a free Grimfest pass for this movie. Just keep listening until the end of this episode, and I shall give you this episode's Grimfest word. First person again to email it to us gets the free pass to watch They Reach. So sit back, relax, and get comfortable, and enjoy another Grimfest interview show. Right, first of all, thank you for joining me, uh, especially all the way over there. I love it that I'm sat here in Wales. Thank you. And all of you are over there in a completely different continent. I think it's so great that we live I in an know, age when I we can do that. this. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, is super, super cool. The first thing I've got to do for people watching the video and for people that are going to listen to the audio show of this, if we could just go around the board and just say who you are and what role you play in the film. And of course, ladies first. So Mary, got to start with you. Thank you. Um, my name is Mary Madeline Rowe, and I play Jessica Daniels in They Reach. I am Silas Dahl, and I am the director and co-writer of They Reach. And I am Bri Troyer. I am the producer and co-writer of They Reach, and line producer. And the only question I have prepared at the start of every interview, for these especially, is, well, Silas and Bri for those listening and those watching what is they reach about want me to jump in um yeah do you want the, the sure. short sure i'll do it <laughs> yeah one. so they reach a set in in <laughs> in 1979 before the age of zoom interviews and cell phones mm-hmm. and uh there's this 13 year old science nerd uh played by the wonderful <laughs> mary madeline known as jessica uh, who, and she accidentally unleashes a demon from a vintage reel-to-reel player, which we all know you should never come home with a vintage mm-hmm. reel-to-reel player because it's probably got a demon in it. <laughs> uh, she recruits her two best friends to fight this beastly thing uh, before it devours more souls in the small town of Clarkston. So that's basically what it's about. Was the setting of it, to put it in 1979, was that one of the main reasons because of no cell phones? Because I know making okay. films, especially horror films now, cell phones are the bane of them all. And you've got to write <laughs> a reason into it that nobody's got a phone. Was that one of the main I, reasons for it being in 1979? We, 100%. Like, that is, that, <laughs> that is, I, I'm with you. I hate cell phones. I hate, there's such an easy out, <laughs> yeah. especially nowadays. You got, you know, we, it's funny. We were just talking about this. It's like, you got laptops, cell phones, iPads, like everything you can imagine at our, at your fingertips, a call for help is not that difficult nowadays. <laughs> uh, um, so you have to put some heavy expositional dialogue in there if, yeah. if you want it out and, or somehow weave it into the story and then it becomes an issue. It's just, it's just so much easier and to go back to the days when, you know, if, and it's just it's scarier too, when, 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 
you know, in the seventies and eighties and, and, and you can just, it's, it's, it just puts another challenge. It acts as another character and it's, just, it's a little bit more entertaining to be honest. Like I think, um, so th- that's definitely something we had in mind while writing it. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, I mean, Mary, you were 13, weren't you? When you, when you made this? Yeah. 12. And I think I turned 13. Oh, wow. I find it amazing because in 1979, I was 14. So I'm watching it thinking I was sort <laughs> of your age, but when this was 1979, what was it like as you walked onto set and you sort of stepped back into 1979? Could you, it, I, was I, definitely, it was definitely a different experience. Um, cause there was a scene we filmed where we had walkie talkies mm-hmm. and I had no idea what to do with it. Cause I had never used a walkie talkie <laughs> before. <great. laughs> and so they had to show me how to use it. And that was new. And then we had banana seat bikes and I didn't know how to ride that either. So it was definitely a learning experience, but it was a lot of fun stepping into a different era. Because I was looking at stuff, and in a few of these interviews, I'm one. I love set design. I love set dressing and looking what's in the background. So, of course, the posters that were on the wall, the Robbie the Robot stuff that was in there. And I've got to thank you for. And this isn't giving any spoilers because obviously you don't want to do any spoilers. But to see a potato light that I had as a kid, and I'd completely <laughs> forgotten about them. It's something that had gone from a brain, and as soon as I saw it, I was like, yes. The potato line. <laughs> so I'm so glad it, those, like, those know, it was. Those lights have a lot of power. Yeah, exactly. Did Did you it's recognize? Really great how in the film, Jessica is so smart and like strong and intelligent because normal girls back then they wouldn't have had interest in making these huge elaborate potato exactly. lights. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like at the very end, there's an ultimate potato light and it's so awesome. <laughs> and it's, I just like very proud of my character. <laughs> there should be a, they reach potato light app. I think now just for the I new know, generation right? that they can just press on it and then it comes up. I think that, that should be one that you should do. Did, <laughs> did you recognize anything, Mary, when you walked onto set? Because I recognize so many things um, you know, with posters and the little toys, was the stuff that you recognized or stuff that you thought, oh, what on earth is that? Well, I recognized the typewriter. And one moment in the film, Cheddar, who's played by Ian Campbell, she plays with a Spock toy from mm-hmm. Star Trek. So I noticed that because my, my dad had me watch Star Trek. <laughs> um, That's a good dad. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then I think I recognized some movie posters like mm. Aliens. I noticed that because it was a classic. And but other than that, it was an, a new experience. Yeah, the brain that wouldn't die poster was a two thumbs up <laughs> for me. I've got to admit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Silas and Bry, when what was how well what was the, the the genesis of this story? How did it all come together? Do you want to start uh, that, Silas? Or yeah, yeah, I can feed into that, and then Bry, you can jump in when you. <laughs> when you hop in the story there, uh, it, it was from this festival. I've never, I, it was like, this was one of my first short, cause I did a short concept of it mm-hmm. as a short film. And, and I submitted it to this festival in Bleedingham. Uh, and I, it won some awards and people seemed to react to it very positively. And I was, go, I was, I went with the same aesthetic of kind of like late seventies ish. And they're like, this is really cool. You know? And, and uh, this was like in 2015, I believe, and or six 2015 or 16, between right there. And and uh, 
I was like, maybe I'll just write something. Maybe I'll just write a story that is, you know, a, a, more towards a feature length. And so I wrote a, I, and I, remind you, I didn't go to school for this. So I just wrote, a, I just watch a lot of movies mm-hmm. and I'm just a really big fan of movies. So I just wrote a massive one um, single space, you know, big old note pile of notes that, you know, there's a story in there and there's characters. Yeah. And I gave it and I met Bri. Um, and when I, I remember when I met Bri, he was like, what is this? Like, cause I gave him this thick, <laughs> like this big old packet of like, n- like, what is it, Brad? Like I was handwritten, like story notes thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was all handwritten in a notebooks, single spaced. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah, he, <laughs> he hired me as a, as a, as a consultant, a story consultant. Uh, cause I've done that before for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But this was definitely an or- unorthodox way of creating a <laughs> screenplay <laughs> that I had never seen before. And so at first I thought, oh, I'm not so sure about this. But after reading it, I definitely saw the vitality. Yeah. Kind of hiding in that hand, in all those handwritten notes. <laughs> and the mess. There's there definitely <laughs> enough for a, a full series. So we had to piece it out, figure out what the story was. And then Silas invited me to do a page one rewrite. Uh, yeah. Film. And we had a lot of fun. He was already giving me all these notes. And I'm like, I'm like, man, let's just, let's just do, let's just co-write this together. Page one <laughs> all the way through. And, you know, you can teach me like, you know, the correct character arcs that we need to kind of input in the script and, and make sure that everything's, I, I didn't know any. You, actually already, you already knew I did. So I, I, know I, I didn't innate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> innate talent that that was already there so he just needed needed to punch up that skill i just didn't know the names yeah just you know (laughs) what i mean like you know how to do it but you don't know like the terms and the and the how-to and it's just kind of funny he's he's like no you already did this here and i'm like oh is that what it's called like (laughs) okay (laughs) it's really funny what was it like first day on set then silas when you got on and all the scripts together and the funding's there and you're you're there and you're behind the camera and the set's in front of you it was, that was when we were first trying to figure out our crew, like how well is this crew going to mesh together mm-hmm. in our film family? Super important. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was also really exciting because I think everybody was like hopped up on, on coffee and, <laughs> and we're all like, oh man, this is early start, early morning. Like it's kind of like misty and dewy. And I remember we're at this old farmhouse and it's just, it's kind of like early morning and it, you know, it's just, it was, I love being on set and it just, just thinking, just talking about it right now just makes me want to be on set again. <laughs> um, it was exciting. You know, Brian and I were little children, you know, like prancing around, like dancing around together. Cause we were seeing our vision like come to life through these actors. And it was, it was definitely a moment that like, we'll never forget. Yeah. And you, you want to bring a lot to life, Mary, didn't you? Because the stuff, again, no spoilers, the stuff that you go through. You go through quite a lot in this. That's for sure. that's for sure. What was Definitely. it like, especially at such a young age? The emotions that you've got to portray in in that, and the strange situations you find yourself in. What was like? Was that like for you? And what's it like now, thinking back to it as you're that little bit older? So, what was it like being the lead in a horror film? Yeah, yeah, and and having to portray all these strong emotions that you had to do. You know, when you were just like you said, twelve going into thirteen. It was a learning experience, just like stepping into the 70s, because this Mm. is my first feature film as the lead. 
I worked on the script with my LA acting coach, Kimberly Crandall. Mm -hmm. So I think once or twice every week, we would go through the entire script. We would break it down. Like, what does my character want? What is my character feeling right now? Who's in my scene? What's in my relationship with my characters? And I think because of that, I was able to do the character justice because I broke it down and analyzed it. Mm -hmm. And it was a lot of fun. Some scenes were definitely more challenging than others, but on the most part, every day on set was just so much fun. And I loved it so much because we had such a great crew and I felt like we were all one big family. (laughs) That's great. Have you got any one particular memory, one fun memory that springs to mind when you think back to the filming of it? There was one day on set that was a whole lot of fun because it was a lot of action. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one scene where the the demon grabs my ankle. Yeah. And yeah. I just get to fall really hard onto this foam <laughs> mat. And it was super fun <laughs> because I, I, didn't, I didn't have to hold back at all. And also later that day, um, Jessica is trying to get back into into the house yeah. or a house in the scene. And she's not supposed to. So a character, Alex uh, Quinley, I think, mm-hmm. he grabs Jessica and throws her over his shoulder because <laughs> she ain't getting back in that house. And then I get to pound his back as hard as I can with my fists to be like, let me go. And then he throws me in his car and I get to scream and pound my fists against the the window. And it was just so much fun because it was, I didn't didn't have to hold back and it was a lot of action. So I thought that was a lot of fun that day. I'd love to be doing that now at 55, Never mind when I was 13. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of the things I really enjoyed about this was it's not what you see that's scary. There's stuff in it that's scary. Like you said, when, you, when you're when you grabbed I and mean, you see something that, that grabs its quick flashes, but there's a lot of scenes where it's left to your imagination. There's one scene particularly that, that springs to mind, and all you see is the back of somebody and they're chopping meat. And that's all you see, but it's within the context of it. And it's the sound design as well, the sound of, of, of when they're chopping it. So the mixture of your imagination, what's already been set up previously, and the sound design is like, oh, I'm getting actual goosebumps now thinking about that scene because it's, whoa, that's a little bit. What <laughs> like was the it like? fear of something stronger than the fear of it itself. It is. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> well, but it's good. I like being scared. Everybody should like being scared. Uh, but once you're putting the film together, when you're thinking of scenes like that, and again, the with the budgetary restrictions that every film has got and and the effects and uh, what you can do with practical and what you can do with cg you know that you've got that choice as well you're going to go practical are you going to go cg what was it like putting this film together for okay we want to we want to put some scares in there we want to put some atmosphere in here as well what decisions were made of of what to put in and and where to start creeping the audience out a little bit um we, I think the team talked about quite a bit, quite extensively on trying to keep it practical as much as we can without mm. it going too original Evil Dead. Cause like I love Evil Dead. Oh, yeah. um, but you know, like at certain points, like it's like 
slapsticky and funny, but just they were under budget budget uh, constraints like we were. Um, but we just there was some there's a lot of stuff that we took out that were like What's that? that looks like that looks like a fake arm like a hundred percent like this is not gonna pass like we there's whole days after we shot um after we looked at what we shot and we were like no that people are just gonna be like what the hell am I watching like <laughs> and so learning to adjust and like say let's move the camera let's go to a different angle and let's move the camera over here. Or let's, let's dim the lights and let's do, you know, some camera tricks to sell it and very little CGI. We, Brian and I were just like, we, we just, for one, it eats money. And then for two, mm-hmm. it, we, and this is an extremely, extremely low budget film. Um, and for two, we just, at, at some points it was just uh, easier to keep it in the shadows, you yeah. know? And, and I like that. I think yeah, Brian yeah. and I and the team like, keeping like the mystery, you know, like that's something I loved about, um, you know, growing up, they, they, you know, the classic films, they would keep things in the shadows. You wouldn't see, Oh, there's the monster. Clearly. I don't like that. I like seeing like hints of it or like, like, uh, what is, unless your imagination, like Mm. what, what's in there, you know, what is it? And I think that, that you can't put a price on your imagination, but you know, there's there's a pretty hefty price for CGI. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is because everybody, of course, imagines you give, give them a dark corner and they'll imagine their worst nightmare in that dark corner, right. won't they? So it would be especially scary to them when they're, when they're doing it. And what, another thing that I loved about this was the locations and there was the antique shop as well. I love shops like that. I'd spend hours in them. What, what, I mean, Brian, Brian with, with locations and with you, Silas, what was it like when you were doing all the location scouting before the filming actually started? Was there anywhere that you'd have liked to have filmed, but again, maybe budget stopped you from doing that? Yes. Silas and I did all the location we scouting. Did. Yeah, we did. Almost yeah. all of it, yeah. We, um, yeah. Yeah, we did. There were locations. There was a location we really want. A couple of locations we wanted mm-hmm. to shoot at that fell through. Uh, one was this nice Gothic church, this old Gothic church. That was going. That was replaced with that antique store. So that uh, the well store actually turned out to be, yeah. yeah, it turned out to be, yeah, amazing. It's yeah. kind of like that idea of like, you know, never-ending story when the boy bumps into this like this bookstore or whatever, and it's like kind of like this antique, creepy vibe, and you're like, oh, this is kind of scary. <laughs> to younger kids, that is scary. You know, like it happened. You know, like uh, kind of like Gremlins. You know, when they're when he's when he's surfing around before, you know, he fi- he he finds um, you know, the 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 gremlin. Uh, mm-hmm. But but you know what I mean? Like it's it's uh, I like that. I like the the that Brian and I just totally rewrote that just because of budget constraints. Yeah, like wait. Let's have them go in a, in a thrift store. <laughs> was there ever going to be anything different apart from the reel-to-reel tape? We, was it tape? Yeah. There was. Oh, should I? Anyway, we were, we were thinking about having the uh, the demon pop out of the potato light. Mm-hmm. There may or may not be a potato light in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so that was next we yeah. go with that storyline took uh, a couple there was remember there was a like music it's a, box it's a science oh yeah there was a music box it's like it's a science experiment gone wrong um and then there was the music box we had had a music ah, box it was going to be okay. a music box that it 
that it came out of. We just we just went with the real, the real. It was a, it was a nice look. It we could the voice. It could connect the backflash episodes with the modern day episodes. Yeah, ultimately and, it was like paying homage to Evil Dead and stuff like that. Like we. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, well, if we're going to go something else, let's go to reel to reel. Let's like, let's have yeah. that in there. Why not? <laughs> and some <laughs> more old school stuff that's in it. I mean, Mary, you had, again, I don't want to give it too, too much away, but you had some prosthetic work with you. You had some practical makeup on you uh, that you had to work with that evolved as the story carries on. And again, I love stuff like that. Uh, what was it like for you with working with prosthetic makeups and, of course, it's a horror film. There's going to be some blood in it. Uh, what was it like for you with that? Because that look, that particular prosthetic makeup, I thought was was really good and looked painful too. Um, it was a lot of fun because we had some really talented people working on it. Um, Hannah Kretzinger, she was our main makeup artist, and she did the silicone symbol on my hand, and. I think one day Silas had to do it because Hannah was out or something and Silas did it and he just had so much fun just playing with it because <laughs> it looks like real wow. skin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was so exciting and a lot of fun and it was way different than anything else I've ever done before. Oh yeah. There's also one scene where, um, I don't, I don't know how to say this without <laughs> not, <laughs> Jessica has something on her hand and it's this kind of claw like thing. Mm-hmm. And there's just a bunch of duct tape and silicone and paint and stuff. And it looks totally awesome. <laughs> and it's, my experience, it was amazing working with prosthetics because it um, also made my imagination run wild and it was just a lot of fun. Have you kept any of them? Have you still got any of those? It was a little hard to preserve them mm-hmm. because by the end of the shoot, the symbol would either kind of be a little destroyed or pieces <laughs> falling off. So like continually we ha- would have to put extra glue or something on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I wish I could have kept it. They were really cool. <laughs> Please tell me someone still got the reel to reel tape. I have everything. Yeah. That's <laughs> My garage is like a prop uh, a storage and it has all the props and has all the, there was two reel-to-reels. Uh, one had more blood on it, didn't work. One had one had to work. Barely made it to the end of the shoot because wow. there was so much blood splattered on that thing. Um, at the end, we were we were having literally Jessica like Eminem, and I like we were, people were trying to get it to work, and like we were actually having to do what the movie set out set out to do is to like fix things and fix <laughs> gadgets, and that's what we ended up having to do to this reel-to-reel towards the end of the filming. Uh, is it, it was barely surviving. And what yeah, was we it? had two of them, and they both were quite abused. Abused, yeah. <laughs> as you'd imagine from what happens in the film, there's a lot of stuff that didn't quite survive the shoot as well, wasn't there? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, clothes, like props that, um, other different props that kind of just got broken or, or just, just smelt weird after all the blood dried. <laughs> and we're like, all right, this is, we got to throw this away. <laughs> you can tell there's a low budget movie. <laughs> we just, yeah. We we couldn't afford to buy multiple sets of wardrobe and, <laughs> and just things like that. Totaled by the end. <laughs> yeah. 
That is such a challenge. But like you said uh, earlier, though, with you meet these challenges and you overcome them, and sometimes it leads you down a path that you wouldn't have normally gone down. That that's a really creative path, and it's to you know it elevates the film even more. It's strange, isn't it? And it's but it's hard work, of course. That is yeah. so true. Yeah, it's a hundred percent true. Yeah, just another hurdle that we had to, or like if we ran into a brick wall, we would creatively try to go around it and it would open up another door saying like, Oh, well now we have this set or now we can write this character or do something else with this character. So a lot of them were like blessings in disguise and it ended up working out for the better. And what was it like? Yeah, You have to be flexible. Oh okay. yeah. Yeah. I should That's imagine. Right. So, um, but when you're writing the film as well, and you've and you've got all these characters and and all the situations, then you're seeing that everything on set before you, uh, it's it's got to be so rewarding. When you get to this stage now, we're here, we're getting close to Grimfest. It's all edited together. You've got people like myself that have watched it, have enjoyed watching it, and loving talking to you about it, and getting people ready to watch it at the festivals. What's this period like for everybody? And let's go around each of you. And again, ladies first. What's this stage like now? When we get to this stage of the of the, we're past post production. We're in. We're into the press stage of it all. Well, for me, it's really exciting because I get to talk about how much I love this film. <laughs> and I've waited so long. Well, and also I look a lot different mm -hmm. from me being 12 and I'm 15 now. So it's been a while and I finally get to share with everybody and my friends and family, especially how awesome I think this film is. Um, and I'm really excited that we're finally getting distribution and interviews and everything because then we can spread the word and hopefully other people can get messages that are in the film. Yeah, yeah, of course. And it's a great thing to look back on when, you know, it's when you get even older still and you go, that was, that was me, 12, 13. And, you know, talk about home movies to look back on. Mine when I was 13 are completely different <laughs> to this, thankfully. Yeah. Uh, um. Oh, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, what about you, Silas? I was, I was, uh, I was saying it, it, it's, it's definitely a trip when you're, when you think back and what we've, what we're able to accomplish with like, again, like not much, we were just, we were able to accomplish so, so much. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's so fun to reflect on like just the time we had all together. Um, even though, you know, it was challenging on the days that we were on set I'm pretty sure if you ask everybody that was involved with they reach, they're going to tell you that it was a f great time and it's something that they love thinking about. So that's what I love about doing this stuff, like and having interviews and mm -hmm. reminiscing on how we made it and like getting to watch it again and, and, and going over what the fun, crazy, <laughs> hectic challenges that we had to jump over, like to get to this path or to get to this point and the path that we had to take. Um, you know, it just puts a smile on my face. <laughs> so. That's good. That's good to hear. What about you, Brian? Yeah, They Reach was such an unorthodox film compared to some of the other films that I've worked on based on the budget. I mean, it was definitely an ultra low, low, low budget movie. We had to figure out very creative ways of, of handling things. And so it's so rewarding to see it appear at Grimfest and, and, and get worldwide distribution and and to see all the people embracing it, especially the young adults, because we were really targeting young adults, people that are uh, middle school age up to early 20s. And 
it's really good to, it's really fun to hear their feedback mm -hmm. on how this is working. And I'm, I'm just absorbing all of it. I think it's a lot of fun. And we've been able to use it kind of as a springboard into our next uh, projects that we're doing. So, uh, which we're working on right now. So that's, so it's, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm loving every minute of this. That's good to hear that you've got future projects already lined up, especially the way that the world is at the moment and how difficult it is at the best of times to make a film. So that's good that you've got all that going on as well. And one thing that's gone through all of the interview shows is because I really love independent filmmaking and independent films and how a lot of, of the people that watch them unfairly judge them next to the multi-million dollar big studio CGI yeah. fil films when they're two completely different beasts, you can't say, well, that's not got that and, and that's got that, not got that. I think <laughs> festivals like Grimfest and Frightfest that happened over here the last weekend mm -hmm. are great showcases for the independent filmmaker and get them in, into front of what is admittedly a rabid and loyal, already loyal audience for that. But then I think one of the advantages of going digital now is it opens up to more people that maybe wouldn't have gone to the festival itself, but will go, I'll watch these at home. And hopefully build an audience up bigger for independent filmmakers like yourselves. That's true. I hope so. Yeah, right. I, I, yeah, that is one one interesting uh, uh, plus out of this video COVID nineteen have to do everything by video age mm -hmm. that we're living in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as people in in a way where our our exposure has grown because of that. So that's that's a. Uh, that's a plus. Not saying that COVID nineteen is a plus. No, no definitely it's not. Yeah, <laughs> got to try and but take as many pluses from the negatives as we can. That's you? true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Well, I know we're, we're slowly running out of time. Well, actually, we're quickly running out of time. So <laughs> before we finish, thank you all of you for giving me your time. I wish you all the best with They Reach. Uh, I'm going to watch it again when Grimfest comes around, even though I've already watched it. I'm going to watch them all again, all the ones that yes. I've watched with the with the screeners, and enjoy the atmosphere, uh, which I'm sure. A lot of people listening to this will do, and even if you weren't thinking of it before, go and, go and watch them all and support independent filmmakers. So good luck with it all. Good yes. luck with the future projects, and thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. so thank you. much. Okay. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And the alarm bell, as always, brings to an end another interview show. That's now three down, four still to go, lots of great Grimfest chat still to come at you. And so, this episode's Grimfest word, where you can win a pass to watch They Reach. The word that you need to email me is potato. And if you have listened to this episode and not cheated and skipped forward, you will know the significance of a potato in the film They Reach. If you want to see other stuff that we do, just go to our website, 60mw.co.uk. Everything is on there. News, reviews, podcasts, links to all of our social media, Twitter and Instagram is at 60mwpodcast. There is a contact us form on there, or you can email us direct contact at 60mw.co.uk. And so until tomorrow, when I'm back with number four of our Grimfest interview shows, thank you for listening and I'll see you soon.